Welcome to another episode of That's So Chronic with me, Jess Bryan. Today is an exciting day in our That's So Chronic community because today is the beginning of the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics, which can only mean one thing. It is a Paralympics takeover here at That's So Chronic HQ. Pop those headphones on, connect your Bluetooth, grab your favorite snack and get comfy wherever you're listening in from because today's Spotlight On episode is an explainer episode so you will know everything you need to know before watching the opening ceremony tonight. Welcome to That's So Chronic. Well now they're away. Sophie Parks, Jamie comes. The new Paralympic champion. Not enough to win the gold medal She's here. Hello, welcome to the first episode of That So Chronic's Tokyo 2020 Paralympics special. I'm so excited for what we have in store for you over the next two weeks. Today we have a spotlight on Explainer episode, Paralympics 101. Every Sunday we will be coming to you live with a highlights recap and some information about what we're really looking forward to for the upcoming week. And an exciting That's So dot 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 episode next week will be all about the incredible documentary Rising Phoenix. I know, it's so exciting, I can barely breathe. But we do have a lot to get through today. I have been chatting to the operations team at Paralympics NZ and we may have some exciting interviews and content on the way. Obviously, it's a massive task getting everyone to Tokyo and making it all happen. But Paralympics NZ are really excited about the That's So Chronic Tokyo 2020 Paralympics coverage. So that's cool. Honestly, listen to me. Who do I think I am? Coverage, like on TVNZ or something. (laughs) It's actually quite funny because I can just talk and talk and talk and just randomly email and reach out to famous actors, TV stars, Instagram people, all of that sort of stuff. But I've been getting so starstruck with our Paralympians. (laughs) But I'm really excited. So let's just say for now watch this space and apologies but also sorry not sorry you're just going to have to put up with me on the episode today it wouldn't be a Paralympics 101 explainer episode though if we didn't start with a little bit of history let's rewind back to 1944 we are in Great Britain and Dr Ludwig Gutmann has opened a spinal injuries centre at the Stoke Mandeville Hospital. It was here that rehabilitation sport was evolving to recreational sport and then it started getting competitive because of course it did. It's sport. It's all very competitive. We fast forward another four years to the 29th of July 1948. On the day of the opening ceremony of the London 1948 Olympic Games, Dr. Goodman organised the first competition for wheelchair athletes, which he decided to name the Stoke Mandeville Games. Involved in these games were 16 injured servicemen and women who took part in archery as the sport. We fast forward another four years and in 1952 competitors from the Netherlands also joined the movement and that's when the international Stoke Mandeville Games were founded. It took another 
eight years after this. But in 1960 in Rome, Italy, the International Stoke Mandeville Games officially became the Paralympic Games and there were 400 para-athletes from 23 countries participating in 1960. The Paralympic Games from then onwards were every four years. And actually, a side note, in 1976, that's when the first Paralympic Winter Games were held in Sweden. So the word Paralympic derives from the Greek preposition para, which means beside or alongside, and the word Olympic. Because since an agreement was made during the Summer Games in Korea in 1988 and the Winter Games in France in 1992 by the International Paralympic Committee and the International Olympic Committee, the Paralympic Games and the Olympic Games have always taken part in the same city. So when we go back to that meaning of the word Paralympic, it shows that the Paralympics are the parallel games to the Olympics and illustrates how the two movements exist exist side by side, which I think is really cool. Now, after the first Paralympic Games in Rome, 1960, like I said before, it took another eight years until New Zealand joined, and this was in Tel Aviv in Israel in 1968. Our New Zealand Paralympic team consisted of 16 para-athletes, which broken down was 15 males and one female, and we competed in seven sports, which was para-archery, para-athletics, para-lawn bowls, para-fencing, para-powerlifting, para-table tennis, and para-swimming. We won four medals at these games, one gold, two silvers, and one bronze, all by the same athlete. It was in para-athletics and para-swimming. And it was none other than the incredible Eve Rimmer, the one female. There's actually this really cool photo of the first New Zealand Paralympics team online, which I'll make sure that I share over on Instagram. So if you're listening to this episode and you want to check it out, head to at That's So Chronic and you'll be able to see the photo there. It is so amazing. And then that's kind of like the history in a nutshell brings us to today, Tuesday, the 24th of August, 2021. We are about to kick off the Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games with 4,400 para-athletes competing from 160 countries. This year is going to be amazing. There are two new sports this year, actually, uh, para-badminton and para-taekwondo. There is a list of sports because when I was thinking about this episode, I was thinking some of you listening might not actually know what sports are at the Paralympic Games, especially the Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games. So here's a list of all of the sports. And of course, if you want to read them, there's a link in the show notes. You can click on that and see all the sports as well. And also find out more information about what each sport is. But the sports at the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics are para-archery, para-athletics, para-badminton, which like I said, that's new, boccia. Now, boccia has origins in ancient Greece, where players threw large stones at a small target. And today, interestingly, this sport is one of the only two that does not have an Olympic counterpart. I'm really excited to watch more of the boccia this year. There is also para-canoe, para-cycling, which is road and track, equestrian, football five-a-side, 
goalball, which is played by athletes with visual impairments using a ball with bells inside. And goalball is among the most exciting team sports on the Paralympic program, it said online. And I am very excited to see this. I really hope that we get to see some of it with the coverage here in New Zealand. I'm not too sure looking at the TVNZ timetable, but it looks really, really cool. There's also judo, para powerlifting, para rowing, shooting, para sport, sitting volleyball, para swimming, para table tennis, para taekwondo, which, like I said before as well, is also new for Tokyo 2020, para triathlon, wheelchair basketball, wheelchair fencing, wheelchair rugby, and wheelchair tennis. Representing New Zealand, we have 29 athletes and six different sports, which are swimming, wheelchair rugby, athletics, cycling, canoeing, and shooting. The hype is certainly real. It doesn't take long to just scroll social media to see how excited we are all getting for the Paralympic Games. It's shaping up to be really incredible in a games like no other. I feel like the Olympics was a good warm-up and a nice little practice run, and now we're getting ready for the main event. New Zealand got 21 medals back in Rio in 2016, so we will just have to wait and see with bated breath how we get on this year. We couldn't deep dive into the world that is the Paralympics without explaining the classification process. It is incredibly important and it's essentially a system that has been put into place to determine which athletes are eligible to compete in a sport and how athletes are grouped together for the competition. In parasports, athletes are grouped by the degree of activity limitation resulting from the impairment. These classifications have to be quite specific because different sports will require athletes to perform different activities and it's important that athletes are classified prior to competing so that the integrity and the credibility of the competition remains intact. So there are 10 eligible impairments which fall into three distinct groups. Put simply, these are physical, vision or intellectual impairments. And athletes must have at least one of the 10 eligible impairments. It's Honestly, it's probably easier if I just read it all out and I explain it the best as I can as we go along. One of the questions that I got over on Instagram actually was whether invisible disabilities were also included. So I think that by reading this out, that will help answer your question as well. So the 10 eligible impairment types in the Paralympic movement. I'll read out the 10 and I'll also explain a little bit bit about each one as we go. Starting us off, we have impaired muscle power, a health condition that either reduces or eliminates their ability to voluntarily contract their muscles in order to move or generate force. This could include a spinal cord injury, muscular dystrophy, post-polio syndrome and spina bifida. Then we have impaired passive range of movement, which is a restriction or a lack of passive movement in one or more of the joints. This could be an underlying health condition or it could be a trauma affecting a joint. Limb deficiency, which is total or partial absence of bones or joints as a consequence of trauma, illness or congenital limb deficiency. Leg length difference, which could be as a result of a disturbance of limb growth or as a result of trauma. 
short stature, a reduced length in the bones of the upper limbs, lower limbs, and or trunk. Hypotonia. Athletes with hypotonia have an increase in muscle tension and a reduced ability of a muscle to stretch caused by damage to the central nervous system. Examples of health conditions that may lead to hypotonia include cerebral palsy, traumatic brain injury, and stroke, for example. Ataxia. Uncoordinated movements caused by damage to the central nervous system. This could include conditions like cerebral palsy, traumatic brain injury, stroke, and something I know all too well, multiple sclerosis. Athetosis. Athletes with athetosis have continual slow involuntary movements. Vision impairment. This could be reduced or no vision caused by damage to the eye structure, optical nerves or optical pathways or visual cortex of the brain. And intellectual impairment, a restriction in intellectual functioning and adaptive behavior in which affects conceptual, social and practical adaptive skills required for everyday life. This impairment must be present before the age of 18. And like I said, para-athletes must have one of those 10 eligible impairments to be eligible for the Paralympics. Which leads us back to the classifications. Since different sports require different abilities, each sport logically requires its own classification system. An example used in the International Paralympic Committee official explanatory guide, which I have read and devoured for all of you listening, is that an impairment of the arms affects performance in a running event to a lesser extent than it would, say, in a swimming event. Some sports provide competition opportunities for athletes in all of the 10 eligible impairments, like para-athletics and para-swimming, for example. Some are open to a few of the 10, and others are specific to one eligible impairment. For example, goalball is a sport for para-athletes with vision impairment. And actually, speaking of vision impairment, there is a general structure used for the classification for these para-athletes. This is... B1, the clarity of these athletes' vision is very low and or they have no light perception. B2, athletes with a B2 sport class have a better clarity of vision than athletes competing in the B1 sport class and or a visual field of less than 10 degrees diameter. And B3, athletes with a B3 sport class have the least severe vision impairment eligible for Paralympic sport. They have a better clarity of vision than the athletes competing in the B2 sport class and or a visual field of less than 40 degrees diameter. Okay, so (laughs) I know that this is a lot to take in if you weren't familiar with all of this to start with, but I hope that you're keeping up because then we move on to the sport class. After an athlete has been given the all clear that they are eligible for a sport, a classification panel will assess which sport class they will compete in. Some sports only have one sport class, but others, especially those where athletes from all 10 eligible impairments can compete, they could have up to 50 different sport classes. A sport class then groups athletes with similar activity limitation together for competition. So that means that not every sport class will consist of people with the same eligible impairment. Like, If the different impairments cause similar activity limitation, then those athletes are allowed to compete together. 
the classification process is huge, as you can probably imagine just from me trying to describe it right now. And obviously it's really important. And sometimes athletes will actually have to be classified many times throughout their careers because as we all know, our bodies can change or grow and adapt as well. When athletes are being classified, the classification panel is made up of a minimum of two classifiers and classifiers are trained experts such as physicians, physiotherapists, coaches, uh, sports scientists, psychologists, ophthalmologists, all of the gists, (laughs) and they must have a complementary knowledge around the impairments and their impact on the respective sports. If you would like to see a list of all of the different classifications, you can check out the show notes of this episode because there is a link there that has a list of all of the classifications by sport. And then, of course, it's important that the Paralympians complete the classification process before competing at the Paralympics. And in 2014, the zero classification policy was introduced as a strategic decision to minimize games time classification to reduce the impact of any last minute classification decision. Which makes sense because this could be the pinnacle event of these para-athletes' careers and any last-minute changes to the classifications can completely just throw and impact the operational aspect and the schedule of the games. Because you can imagine if suddenly four athletes didn't classify for a certain race and then they weren't in it but they thought that there was going to be six, you know, like it could just lead to a logistical nightmare. So that all started in 2014, so you weren't allowed to get classified at the Paralympic Games. But no surprises here, old mate COVID in recent times has had other ideas. For the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics, it was becoming increasingly obvious that the para-athletes being classified before arriving in Tokyo, it was being limited due to the restrictions from the pandemic. A one-off decision was made that for Tokyo, it would be temporary suspended the zero classification policy. There would be 10 parasports that can now be classified at the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics. Andrew Parsons, the International Paralympic Committee president, said ensuring that athletes are classified prior to competing at the Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games is crucial to safeguarding the integrity and credibility of the competition. I would like to thank Tokyo 2020 for their flexibility in working with us to find a solution to the issue we face. Since the pandemic began, our classification department has worked tirelessly with the international federations to provide safe and secure classification. This decision to provide classification opportunities at the Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games has not been taken lightly by the IPC, bearing in mind the potential impact on athletes who may change class or be found non-eligible at such a late stage. However, the pros outweigh the cons in this matter, and we believe this decision will be welcomed by the athlete community, NPCs, and international federations, relieving some of the pressure they face. 
When I asked on Instagram if anyone had any questions about the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics, I did get some messages re-COVID and how that's all going to work this year, which is understandable because like, at the time of recording this episode, I'm in lockdown in New Zealand and case numbers are growing rapidly across the world, especially in Tokyo. As reported by RNZ, Paralympics NZ had said that the safety was the utmost priority for the 29 athletes and the 37 support staff over in Tokyo. I tried to read through all of the documents on the COVID safety procedures, and as expected, it is a lot of the usual stuff that we've all come to know so well, for example, hand washing, mask use, physical distancing, etc, etc. However, Paralympics NZ have said that their protocols that they've put in place are more stringent than what Tokyo 2020 have put out in their official documentation. The NZ team, who are all completely vaccinated, by the way, will be split into bubbles aligned with their sports across three accommodation sites. Of course, some people have expressed concern for Paralympians with compromised general health. And Paralympics NZ says everybody's made a decision, their own decision, to be at the Games. For athletes who do have an underlying health condition or have particular concerns, we've made sure that our medical team work with them. It's really just about providing support for those who want to talk through their health concerns and making sure that we continue to reinforce safe practices. The RNZ article, which of course is linked in the show notes if you would like to go and have a read for yourself, goes on to say that for the New Zealand Paralympians, spending their time in Tokyo separated from their New Zealand teammates in the other bubbles, as well as athletes from other nations, could take away from the experience. So Paralympics NZ is working to keep their entire team connected to each other and to their families back home. And so when we're talking about COVID, on the 8th of July, it was decided that the decision around how many spectators there would be at the Paralympics would be decided after the closing of the Olympics. So it was announced on August 14 in a joint statement from the International Paralympic Committee, Tokyo 2020 Organizing Committee, Tokyo Metropolitan Government and the Government of Japan that in light of the state of emergency being extended there will be no spectators at the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics. The statement said we very much regret that the situation has impacted the Paralympic Games following the Olympic Games and we sincerely apologize to all ticket buyers who are looking forward to watching the games at the venues. We hope that you understand that these measures are unavoidable and being implemented in order to prevent the spread of infection. Everyone is encouraged to watch the games at home. And watch the games at home, we certainly will. I know that I will be and I hope that you listening at home will be as well. If you're in New Zealand, you can watch the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics on TVNZ Duke, which I believe from my research is Freeview Channel 13 and Sky Channel 23 and live streamed on TVNZ On Demand. 
this will be extensive coverage just like we saw during the Olympics which is super exciting and if you download the New Zealand team app powered by ANZ from the app store or Google Play or wherever you get your apps you can see a timetable of when New Zealand is competing and then as well as the coverage on Duke there will be a highlights program every morning at 9am over on TVNZ1 which you can also stream on TVNZ On Demand and AttitudeLive.com. If you go to tvnz.co.nz forward slash shows forward slash Paralympics, you will be able to see all of this information and it is linked in the show notes. Because there will be no spectators at the events this year, it is even more important that we show our New Zealand Paralympians that we are behind them. If you download that NZ Team app that I was talking about before, there is an opportunity in the app to tap the silver fern and send a pulse of support to the team on the ground in Tokyo, which is a really sweet way of being able to show your support. I honestly don't know where that support goes if they get a little notification or something I don't really know but it feels really cool and it it seems like a nice way to be able to send your support I hope that this has been able to explain how the Paralympics works and a little bit of the history behind the games and I hope that it's hyping you up a little bit for the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics which The opening ceremony is tonight at 11pm if you're listening in New Zealand. I'm going to leave you with this quote from an interview with Andrew Parsons, who is of course the president of the IPC. This interview was published on Twitter by at C4 Paralympics, the official account for Channel 4's Paralympic coverage in the UK. If this is the most important edition of the Paralympic Games in the history of the Paralympic movement, and it's exactly because of the pandemic. The pandemic has affected disproportionately persons with disabilities uh, at a global level. And if you think that the Paralympic Games is the only global event in the world for persons with disabilities, you know, in sport, in art, politics, whatever, it's the only moment in humankind where persons with disabilities take center stage. For each and every one of them, it's an opportunity to showcase uh, their sport ability, you know, to, 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 to the world. Something they have been training some of them for for years and uh, years and years and years, and not only four years, uh, but since they started their uh, uh, sport career. That's why it's so important because we are giving them a voice, their event, at a moment when their voice needs to be heard the most. I can't wait. Wishing all 4,400 Paralympians competing in Tokyo good luck, especially to those representing New Zealand and Australia, because let's be honest, I'm going to claim Australia as my own as well. (laughs) I'm excited to chat more to you all over the next few weeks about the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics. Remember, you can always reach out over on Instagram. I'm at That's So Chronic. See you on Sunday for a highlights recap and a hype episode. See you soon. Well, now they're away. Sophie Pastor becomes the new Paralympic champion.